Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 22, where I'm chatting with Travis Cheng, the winner winner of the Chicago Open and general American Kill Team Menace. Uh, so yeah, Travis, how are you? I'm doing good. We got tickets to the James Workshop Invitational. That should be fun. And I'm running a big tournament coming up in November, along with all the other tournaments we've been running in the New York area. So it's an exciting time to be a Kill Team player. Yeah, no, it's just like because you you do a lot for the like your local scene in New York as well. Instead of not instead of just being like a tournament menace, uh, but for those who are unaware of you, who are you, and how did you start in like Kill Team and I guess Warhammer as a whole? Yeah, um, my name is Travis. I started playing 40k like back when I was a kid. Probably like a lot of our listeners, I played in fourth edition. I always liked the smaller scale side of 40k. We played like like 500 points, a thousand point games because back then it was expensive. Didn't have a lot of models, and then I think I fell off the 40k wagon when we had a a couple players at our local just like laser beam us through a couple buildings, telling us we were like playing the rules wrong. So we just like axed ourselves out of anything serious, and we just played locally amongst our group and I was playing Tau against Necrons for like a year and I just never won a game. Um, switched over to skirmish games in general, played a little bit of War Machine and then a lot of like digital tactical games, kind of like XCOM style games or yeah. other games in that range, which are, they're all fun. And then come 2018, new Kill Team Edition drops. I always wanted to get back into Warhammer models. So I dragged a couple friends in. And now that the new edition is out, the game is way more fun than it has ever been as far as uh, the smaller scale games go. We're in a good spot. I run the tournament scene in Brooklyn because it's nice to have a competitive uh, tournament scene. So I, we have a monthly that I set up. And uh, yeah, you know, I've made a tournament team with a, with a couple of local friends. We've driven out to the Kill Team Open. Some of them played at Nova, gave you a little bit of trouble, if I remember correctly. Yes, they did. One uh, almost forced me into a loss, and then I played George on the top eight final. You guys had a pretty low score, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, I meant to do a video on this, and I will. Uh, but like, my playstyle was like, c- kind of like hashed out with you, where I would just play super lame and <laughs> basically force uh, force my opponent to commit and then punish them. Yeah, because uh, I found out I like Pathfinders are really good at controlling the board and. Um, because I think one thing that messed up George in our matchup was, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, it's like uh, the tack up where you place your an objective marker to claim. Uh, Plant signal beacon or no, the other one. Uh, it's like you have to if you control oh, retrieval, it, retrieval, retrieval. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's always so he didn't really realize because I got this from my my playing buddy. Um, the whole marker doesn't have to fit. The center of the marker just has to fit on the board. So uh, there were I had put a scramble pile like half an inch away, like the long scramble pile on the left-hand side, just outside of my drop zone in case he would pick retrieval. I was like, oh, he won't pick retrieval. He'll know what happened. Then he picked retrieval and I was like, oh, uh, I'm going to put it in the middle. Uh, so it's basically two inches away from the edge of the scrap pile, uh, but there's no way to actually land on it. And he was like, oh. Wait, you could do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I never pick retrieval, by the way. Oh, 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 you could do that. I did not, I did not know yeah. that. That, seems like a, that sounds like a TO call. <laughs> No, it's like so. It's it's, it's just like the center of the marker just has to place. So as long as there's a reasonable enough gap. Oh, to place, you like put it at the edge of the board, yeah. in between a scrap pile. I yeah, see. Mm, yeah. So that that has been done to me a lot by my friend because uh, <laughs> I was like, "Well, what are <laughs> you going to do?" It's like you picked retrieval, and I was well, like, yeah, "Yeah, retrieval, retrieval is a uh, is almost impossible pretty much all the time." And like on in the dark, where recon lost one of its tack ops, it's like even more impossible than it was before. Yes, oh, yeah, uh, but he, he got caught out by that, which not many people know. Uh, it's like, it's severe, like, in-depth sweaty knowledge, which I specialize in. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, you're like, you, you guys are like really good players. You've got like a wide selection of like players. It's like, and the cool thing is like, it's not just guys there. You've got like, I think one or two female players as well. We've got a handful of female players in the Northeast oh, wow. area. Yeah, one nice. of the play testers is Janice. She's somewhere in the top 15 top 10 i think she was like number one for a long time um i think she's a little bit i don't i don't actually keep track of the itc rankings that much and then layla is also one of my other teammates she got covid right before Nova, like the day that they were about to leave for nova she messaged everyone like i, I have covid I'm like, fuck yeah the, fuck. it sucked but at the same time i was like because uh, i was shocked there was only one novitiates player there like yeah it was yeah. just like i was blessed uh 
Uh, obviously, it sucked for her. Like, I would have loved to play, but I was like, I did not want to play Novitiates. <laughs> yeah, Novitiates is, for as much as everyone hates Pathfinders, their worst matchup is by far Novitiates. Not so much anymore. Not but anymore, not but like, yeah, pre-nerf, pre-nerf. It was hard. Before the, yeah, it was definitely a, a rough matchup. One of the rougher ones, for sure. Um, but yeah, so like you've you've been playing for a while. Like as I said, like the greatest thing is like you're not just a competitive player; you're a TO. Like I really like how you've been, um, uh, what do you call it? like setting up events. But like the interesting thing is because you said you played a bit of War Machine, which is just funny because like uh, Chris Backy did as well. So it's just like interesting, like just that commonality for me because it's yeah. like uh, I mean, we had War Machine here, but it didn't. Yeah, me and Chris were much. both on the West Coast, probably around the same time. Would be my guess. So. Um, yeah, because I'm originally from the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast now, and I run the monthly out of uh, my local store, the Brooklyn Strategist. And I set up a tournament that I would want to play in. So normally, one of my main gripes at a lot of tournaments is that the terrain doesn't really like match the missions because it's it's hard on the TOs to reset boards all the time. Yeah, a lot of logistical work. So at our locals, I just set up all the boards and rotate people through the board, so everyone gets to play a different mission. So everyone has to like think on their feet. So there's no tournament packet or anything. So, oh, that's yeah, good. It's kind of like what Warhammer do does and Spain and the London tournaments have started doing as well. Because I think it's just easier. Um, but it's like as you said, yeah. So the problem that I've seen is like tos who are just like, I've done one fixed board for the whole day, and you're like, ah, oh, the missions. Yeah, there are definitely no. some missions where it's like now you have like a firing lane where there wasn't a fire lane on some other maps, and it's just like it just. It's not great. I understand the the struggle. Like I empathize a lot with the TO struggles because I'm also a TO. So, but like at least for my local, I remove the issue by rotating everyone through. And I, you know, I have like a historical list of all the past boards, but no one ever knows the boards until the day of. So everyone's gotta gotta think on your feet at my tur- my tournaments. Oh, no, that's that's a good thing because it's like it, it's kind of like a little gripe I have with like the London scene. It's really good, but the only issue is kind of like. They do eventually make the map maps public, but obviously they play test them to make sure they're good. But you kind of have the weird situation where players go into advance knowing the maps. Um, you know, so it's like, yeah, I like that it's blind because it's just um I remember when I was chatting at the devs at one of like the Warhammer World tournaments, they like they want the game to be like minimal, like to minimize prep as much as possible, because they've realized like how powerful just prepping the yeah. game in advance can be for sure like uh because i think me and you basically like are exemplars of that pretty much uh, like i think chris back is as well because he was telling me how he basically um uh once they made the packet for kill team open and Elf- no, yeah lvo like because the the way those maps were done it was really easy to not easy but it was really uh it was easier to plan what you needed to do because of how fixed the layouts were and the yeah. boards yeah, yeah. I think um, we actually did practice for the Kill Team Open on those boards as best we could make them. And it definitely helped. It also like really some of those maps had like really, really big empty spots where the objectives were. So it's like the shooting teams were incredibly strong at Kill Team Open yes. along with some other stuff. But that's in the past. Like We're moving forward. I think all that terrain is getting used in a much better fashion. So I'm pretty sure LVO should be good. There's newer terrain. Oh, yeah. There's, like, like it's not just like boxes now now we've got like the octarius l-shaped walls and chalnath pieces so and the the guy who's running that he sounds like he's really into the scene so i'm excited to go see what happens at lvo oh yeah totally it sounds like it's, it's gonna be great but it's like um the other thing i like about how uto is like you also do like narrative stuff not just appealing to like the competitive players because you know it's easy to get lost like especially when you're growing a scene going like oh we'll just make you know uh, we'll just play cutthroat tournaments every month for every yeah. every two neat two week like two fortnightly or whatever. Um, but it's I like how you do like your narrative events because they're really fun and thematic, and I love like um, like the packs they have because I plan to do like a video on or something. But it's like your packs are, are crazy good. Thanks. Yeah, we, I put a lot of work into it, I guess, over time. So like I did a very initial Space Hulk narrative at the beginning of the game. Where we had a, I had one of my friends like write some of the lore, and they were discovering pieces of like an Eversur assassin laboratory. And then the final mission, there was like a question mark box in the middle, and then the first player that opened it, like an Eversur assassin popped up, just like started oh, murdering things. Yeah, nice. so there was, and I had like given people hints, like if they had done the secondary objectives for the last like four weeks or four games, they would kind of know that there's like a testing facility in this Space Hulk. 
And then on the day of, it was just like, oh, no. I think we had one Harlequins player who was doing pretty well up until that point. He had five guys get killed. Like, four of them were murdered by the officer. And then the last one, like, injured injured the last Harlequin in the bio meltdown. Oh, and then the dude. Imperial Guard player, like, stole the corpse of the Everser assassin because the <laughs> Harlequin got tabled. And the Everser got used in a 40k game, like, three months later. Oh, that's good. Like, yeah, so there was a, uh, a continuum. Yeah, because we've had, like, in London, they did a um, compendium tournament, basically just, you know, for people to have fun. But mm-hmm. I, I like how you went the extra mile, because it's just like, you know, we, we do a lot of coverage of competitive events, but I do think narrative events are good like the i've seen some in the uk which just use the narrative missions but i like how you explore it better by adding stuff like uh we've got an event in manchester that they they do like instead of for their narrative stuff like for their competitive tournaments they just mm-hmm. add fun side missions where you get like spot prizes oh but yeah, that yeah. Kind of stuff, I we think have a couple of those i think that one of the scenes locally has a secondary objectives like if you get a three for one in a grenade you get like 20 bucks or something oh wow so, yeah well, I mean, like twenty bucks in store credit, but like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, right. yeah. But like, we do have stuff like that at one of our locals. I think um, at our big upcoming tournament, that bounty board will also still be in place because one of the guys is helping to run it, and he wants to have that idea floating around. We'll also have like two wholly custom narrative games with like fancy items, so that should be cool. But yeah, it's like it's fun to have a little bit of a canvas to draw um, with the narrative, where you know, normally in the sweaty competitive stuff, you just don't get some of the silliness and some of the narrative items are like really, really powerful, which is fun. Yeah. It's like the weird thing. I look at a lot of narrative equipment and stuff and go, wow, you you," like some of it. I was like, yeah, this is broken. But I was like, some of it was like, wow, this really should have made it into the main team. Yeah. Uh, Like I think the biggest one I remember is just art grenades for Hunter Clay back in the day before they got their, the crazy buff. Yeah. Uh, But just interesting. Uh, But you know, now we've covered your like, uh, like to inside and like helping grow in like your scene i think what's really um cool is how like you kind of exploded onto the scene but it was kind of like uh it's weird because like the american scene is really good but i don't think it's gotten the coverage it deserves like you know like that's why i kind of interviewed chris because everyone was like oh there was someone else who was number one in the world um, yeah, he was number one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's like because uh, you won. I think Kill Team Open was your first big win for the new season. I think that was the yeah. It was like also it's also been the biggest tournament up until this upcoming Madrid one. I think if I remember correctly, yeah. Because you got like sixty something players or something. I think we had sixty sign up and fifty nine showed or something. Uh, it's like in the fifty nine. I know there were fifty nine players there. At least that's what it said when I the last time I looked, but. I'm pretty sure there was at least one other person signed up. I don't know if they made it or what happened, but even at like the Chicago open, there were 28 players and then one of them dropped out the day of. So just life happens. There's always drops, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but drops. yeah. So how did it come for like uh, the kill team open? Cause it was a two day event, right? It was a two day event. It was uh the four pods and then the top two out of the 16 man pods made it into the next day if i remember correctly for a top 16 pod for day two yeah so there was i think they announced it in december somewhere around there and then at the time i had run a couple tournaments and i was like helping volunteer at my shop to like get people in i was like there once a week to like teach people the game i was running like small uh like tutorial games and there was another local shop and um close by basically Someone on my team is on that in that shop and they were running a three round tournament. So I went with Compendium Crew, met some other people who were like competitively minded. And then when they announced Kill Team Open, I was like, does anyone want to like hardcore practice for this when we <laughs> to go to this tournament? Because it was like close by. So I got like the six people. We started practicing for it and then we went and uh, yeah, I did really well. I think another member of my team went four zero on day one with Novitiates. I went three one losing to Chris. So, and then I, I did beat him oh, in the second day for the, uh, Oh, I didn't know. Oh, pod. wow. Yeah. Oh, you did the sweaty run back. Like that's the worst thing that can happen in any two day so, tournament. I was at three zero going into the final round. So there was a little bit of, I hadn't played vet guard all that much. And I was testing like eat mass EMP grenades on pathfinders. Yep. And I think I definitely lost that game. It was like 13, eight, 13, yep. five. It was, it was a pretty poor score, but like, I think at the end of the game, you had three models left so 
I, I like learned how lethal the Pathfinders were at that time because I had just been practicing against uh, novitiates and harlequins for the most part, okay. and a little bit of Vetguard because that's like yep. what's in my group and that's who had time. So I had practiced against them a bunch of times, and then the next day I uh, I did much better, and he got yeah he got diced a little bit for sure in that game, but I took out like enough pieces on our second loot and salvage run back and. Um, and that was the second to last game of the day. And then the finals game was against a poor vo- like Harlequins player. And I had so much practice on that matchup that it was <laughs> there was a funny thing on that game where there were there was one rule addition because there were a lot of crates. So the crates were all two inches oh, to climb up instead of yeah. four inches to climb up. So that was a little weird. However, I was I took mass climbing ropes against Harlequins for domination. With the reason being if everybody has climbing rope, you kind of have lightweight fly against Harlequins, right? Because you can get on the box pretty easily and shoot them. And all you have to do is flank them, which is not impossible. You can run up within two inches and all of your guns do damage pretty easily with bonded and everything. So we had like this weird rules kerfuffle where climbing rope doesn't actually work with the rule that the the TOs had put in place. Because the TOs had said that you it only costs two inches to climb up. so we ruled climbing rope as actually giving me f- basically fly. So like my dude could go up the crate for free because I asked him, like I'd set up, I was like, okay, this is how I expect it to work. And then we reread it. And I was like, Oh, it doesn't work that way. Can I get five EMP grenades instead? And he was like, you know what you should, you, you can have fly. That's probably better. I was like, all right, I'm oh, fine. Wow. Taking, uh, like I, I was like, I'm po- totally fine taking it back and going grenades, but he wanted the, uh, he was more afraid of the grenades than he was of the guns. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it, no, was, no, it was definitely fun. like an interesting uh, ex- like thing that we came to together because we we're like, well, yeah, I can go back, but he just didn't want to play with the grenades. But grenades would have been easier on him. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so you, you end up wondering, yeah, because like the thing is, like the Pathfinder. When I'm Pathfinders, I I love fighting Harlequins. Is yeah, my it's favorite, it's favorite. it's one of their worst matchups for sure. There's just too many things that can hurt them. And at eight wounds, you really can't get hurt all that much. Your goal is just not getting shot at all. Oh yeah, it's so, like yeah. the the thing is just when like they they charge you, going, huh, "I'm safe," and you just start markaligning them, and they just get more and more terrified <laughs> yeah. when they realize you can markalite into combat. Yep, you can markalite in combat and shoot in combat and fall back and shoot. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's no hiding from the pathfinders and out inside of outright shooting them. And this was pre Void Dancer troop. Um, yes. And then after that, I started running the monthly uh, tournament scene. I think we've had has we've had as high as 18 people and we've had as low as 10 people. But we have a pretty That's solid so group of like 16 people that show up like every month. And it's uh, like we had we just had four new people at our most recent tournament. So that's that was uh, pretty hype. Because nice. <clears throat> you also have oh, I keep forgetting their, their surnames, but the, the kids you have the kids playing. Oh, yeah. We've got the Garrett's in our area. They're great. Yes. They've come to one of the tournaments. I think uh, Blooded actually won our most recent tournament because they we were in the dark. We had a full eight boards of in the dark because of our great community. It's really, really nice. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So we had. Yeah. So it was great. Uh, The only mission that I would not repeat is a mysterious signature. That mission is. Is that the D6 and I win mission? That's the D6 and I win mission. And like we had a one of my local players who's pretty good. I like he plays Hunter Clay. He was playing them when they were pre nerf um, or pre buff. Sorry. And he's really into them. Can't make it to all the tournaments because he's got a busy life. Makes it to tournament 2-0, riding high on some pretty tight games. Played against Breachers for the last round on that map. And I was like, I'm sorry. Because oh, I just set up all mm. nine boards and rotate players through because it's like, it's just that way we can understand all the missions as a yep. TO. And I was just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Because he, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really a game and I felt really bad. So I'm definitely yeah, never going to put that like, one in the rotation. Um... But into the dark separately like i'll, I'll do it because this week i'm doing my into the dark mission review like that and so that's 2.3 2.3 and 2.3 yeah mysterious signature yeah don't play that two, i would not suggest any tos put yeah. that in so our tos are basically banning 2.3 and 2.1 so. which one is 2.1 junction assault yeah the one with the the lanes the long i actually lanes. like junction assault i think it plays in an interesting space but i understand why people don't like it and um yeah. at chicago had, there was like a fan patch yeah. i think so the chicago uh to patch was that the drop zones are the objectives when there aren't objectives on the map and you can That's also sweet. measure strat ploys and tack ops through walls oh so that thing uh you're gonna see it with the um barrel port i drop but it's basically that's broken on the mission their version of seize ground 
for Into the Dark because you know it's got an objective in the central room. Mm. So the the wall is so the space there's space for one model to basically control uh, contest for central control with that uh, with that change for walls. Yeah, I mean it's, it's not it's not a perfect patch, right? But it was the patch that we played with because yeah, there's like some stuff like veteran guard can't do into the breach on some maps at all because <laughs> you can never be closer, which is uh, a little yeah. weird. So, yeah. yeah, I mean there's definitely some weirdness. I'm hoping that G- GW has been really good for the most part for this edition, so I'm hoping that they just patch things. Yes, <laughs> but it's just like um, I think like we're both people who kind of like read the pack. Uh, and plan like because that's every time i've played a tournament i read the pack and then play around the pack which some people may go like oh that's not great but it's kind of like you have to like it's not cheating it's like you're trying to find the loopholes you can legally exploit within the pack so when i used to play a lot of warhammer underworlds um before we did random pairing i would go like oh okay we're doing x rounds of players i know how many like games i need to start playing like crazy to jump ahead or like if i do you know because of how they do the parents you can kind of game it a bit legally by mm. just gambling that you don't score too high and still win um but then for like kill team it's more like if um like the warhammer World tournaments are like uh, focusing on the secondaries so yeah. you need to play a team that can win but reliably max secondaries um because I found like the weird thing is Pathfinders are good there, but it's only if you're always winning. Because Pathfinders are a great team at winning, but not always maxing their attack ops. Yeah, their their secondary game and their primary mission game is pretty weak sometimes. When all of your guns are on uh, two APL models, it can be rough. But yeah, it's like so. Uh, did you do much research for like? Obviously, I guess for Kill Team Open, you did a lot into the pack, packs, like reading the the mission layouts and stuff. And I guess you do it for all future tournaments as well. Yeah, I think the baseline is if you're going to a competitive tournament and you want to be like, and you're trying to win, it's best to read all the material just because it's useful to have the background. Like, even if you don't have like the known mission pack or it's player place terrain, there might be some like small thing in there that the TOs put in there for a reason. But if you don't see it, you're going to get surprised the day of. So it's best to just at least do that minimal amount of effort if trying to be super competitive if you're just going for vibes and you just want to play and hang out with new people and roll dice that's fine you don't need the packet then that's but that's like a different vibe than i want to go to compete i want to be the best that's like a whole different those are like two different paths but but as a to i would i would please recommend all players to read the pack because yes if you have a question usually answered in the pack yeah correct yeah we put we, we put the effort into the material if someone reads it it's 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 helpful I was like, oh, John, uh, when are the round timings? It's like, oh, wow, uh, it's in the pack. I was like, oh, okay. But I wanted to ask you about this ruling. I was like, funny, funny. That's also in the pack. <laughs> um, but it's like, because uh, you played in, what was it? It wasn't Adepticon. It was the event on the same day as Adepticon. It was, because uh, I think you played Chris back then. Um, oh, at ACO. Yeah, I played yes. at Atlantic City Open. That was me and Chris were in the second to last round. Novitius versus Pathfinders. Um, I think I played okay. I, I did make three mistakes in that game, but I got diced super hard. Like, I don't think I rolled more than two hits, uh, yeah. even with three marker lights against uh, uh, any one of my first like four or five shooting attacks. So it was a, that was a rough game, but it was a fun tournament. I went five, one on that tournament and, uh, he, he ended up winning that one that I got third place and he got, Oh wait, did I get, yeah, I think I got, I think I got third place because of the, that, that round with Chris, I scored very poorly. I think it was like uh, 1 to 18 or something. Was that was the GW like, Open? No, that wasn't a GW Open. That was, um, there's like another group that does tournaments, like the primary Northeast group that does tournaments in conjunction with Frontline Gaming. Okay. They ran the Atlantic City Open. They also ran uh, the Kill Team Open and they're doing it again next year in February. So that should be fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and because then after that, you kind of like, because the thing is, instead of like playing at tournaments, you usually run them. So you kind of went incognito mode because like, if, if people haven't realized, we're like me, me and Travis have been chatting a while, uh, basically like sweating out Pathfinders. <laughs> we're the time. bad Probably guys. Too. Yeah, we're the bad guys right now. Yeah, we're we're quite bad. Um, like yeah, even with like player place terrain, that was another thing. Like I think we both figured out what to do in that scenario very quickly. Um, but because after that, you went on to Chicago, so that was Correct. something like because yeah. um, I looked at the pack because like. 
what we found out was Chicago was. So I heard at LVO, I mean at Nova, it was going to be full into the dark. Then they went back and said it would be full normal boards. Then it was a mix. And then they clarified it was free normal and then two on into the dark. Yeah, I think they clarified the week of. Oh, maybe, maybe like two weeks. Like it was it was like a very short time window. Yes. Um luckily at Atlantic City Open, I had already I won a box of Sicarians. That was like my prize. So oh. I was just like, well, I already have the Sicarians, and they did just buff Hunter Clay, and it'd be kind of fun to paint something different. And I wanted to like do metallics and use uh, some patinaing stuff. So like my guys are like bronze with like purple cloaks. Oh nice. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just build, I'll just build them. Why not? And then I took them to a local tournament. We did like a team tournament at uh, the private club in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. And I went three and zero with my team there. And we won the tournament because we overall had the the winningest record overall. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that was like my most of my practice for Hunter Clade. And then I was off traveling. So I just didn't practice until uh, the the week of Chicago Open. I got one practice game in at one of the locals. And that was a that was a rough game for him. But well, I think he learned a lot. It's funny because it's like the thing is, uh, even though we're super sweaty, I did exactly the same thing for Nova and most of my tournaments. Like, I just don't practice because uh, I find... Unintentionally, it's easier going into the tournament just relaxed. I think if you, I found if you've been like cramming or like practicing the week or two before, I find it just hampers your performance mm-hmm. in a weird way. Um, but like the the weird thing is, what you you, you were very strong. You were like, I had to convince you not to not to fully bring Pathfinders because it was like you you were being too brave with the Pathfinders for the Into the Dark games. Although to be fair, to be fair, my finals opponent out. was Pathfinder. Yes, <laughs> yes, because it was funny. So they picked, uh, I think, Junction Assault as the fourth mission. Correct. Yeah, it was Junction Assault into Exposed Trove. Yeah. So the funny thing, because there was two Pathfinder players uh, when I was watching the event via BCP at home, uh, all the Pathfinder players won that mission. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, they, that... they did not lose round four. No, that, um, that that mission was like I think there's four firing like shooting lane missions on in the dark and like if you get those with Pathfinders or Vetguard you're probably fine, but the other maps, ooh, you're in a world of hurt. Oh yeah, because that was the gamble, right? Like that 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 was and like I I could agree with it, but I, like um yeah, because I think the choices were either uh, I didn't think we discussed Navy at the time, even though Navy are really really good. Yeah, no, for me the choices that I was agonizing over was Star Striders because I already had them painted and I wanted to play them, and then um, Pathfinders and Hunter Clay just because I I have those two teams done. Um, I have a Warp Coven team, but I just don't play them enough for me to be comfortable with those rules. And I was really really debating on it, but I ended up just taking Hunter Clay because I was like, you know what, I don't have a ton of practice right now. I'll just be comfortable. I'll just have a good pivot on both sides. And it was it was a fun tournament. There was some tight games. The Garrett's were in there in force. Um uh, yeah, because you, you played you played oh no, you played him on Garrett. the fourth round, isn't it? Yeah, yes. I played him on the fourth round. I played the Elder Garrett. And he it was a close game. He definitely could have got me. I got there was definitely a, a moment where my Sicarians charged a couple vanguards and one of them took three fight activations to kill one wow. vanguard. Well, because so, didn't you uh, only win? You end up because uh, I watched that game, so you only I end won up by winning. one point. Yeah. yeah, it was a very, very tight game. And um, on that mission, I think the critical difference for us is that I took the blast pistol, and I told him oh. if he made a mistake, I would catch him. And there was a point on turn two where, if I'd been a little bit more aggressive on turn one, I could have caught like three models, but I was just out, like by like probably like. Oh, you half- took the phosphor blast pistol. Correct. Oh. Yeah, you didn't take the we- arc. No, 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 no. Because like the the reason being is the profile is about as good on in the dark with lethal five, maybe a little bit worse, but not substantially worse. But if your opponent bunches up one time, it makes up the difference. Yeah, because like the the weird thing is about hunter claders. They're one of their main weaknesses is they have no blast attacks whatsoever. Yeah. No blast and no indirect, except for a blast one on the leader. So ah, that's some nice. T- I I didn't think of that, so I, I will yeah. steal that. So that's so on, very- on in the dark. It was like you know the matches was gonna be really close, but the real thing is if you can catch two models one time, the and then your leader dies, you're like that's fine. He did his job because we're playing a mirror match. So yeah, because uh, so like who a- did you play day? Because day one was full. Day Normal. one was a mirror match. That was Hunter Clade. And then I played two intercession squads, which are just everyone who like they're they're just everywhere and they're. 
they're not super hard to play and they're super powerful. So yes. everyone needs to know how to play against Legionary and Intercession because they're just everywhere. Like if you can't beat them consistently, then you're just not going to have a good tournament run with any of those sweaty teams. The, oh yeah, because the they're, they're teams. Yeah, they are everywhere. Like uh, Legionary's been replaced by Intercession in London, but they are like they are now the majority of the tournament scene. Like, you have to be prepared for them. Um, I don't think they're broken, but they are definitely overtuned. I would say. Um, I think I'm kind of okay with it. I think Intercession maybe a touch overtuned in some ways, but it's just their traits, really. The, I, I think like if you're a good player, you can play around them. Yes, enough, which is fine. I think it's a it's a fine gatekeeper. And to be fair, those four new players at the most recent tournament I had, two of them came. They only had intercessors. I just gave them the rules for free because that's what they're there for. And one of them even won a game on like their probably like fourth or fifth game ever. So oh, nice. yeah, because like the rules as a default are not very punishing, and you can make mistakes and have fun. And I think that's a really good spot for bringing new people into the game is like even for a new tournament scene if you have like one or two intercession loner teams just tell people like oh just come in just pay the fee and just play the intercession squad because like even if it's as long as they know how the rules work they'll still have fun and it'll be like competitive for the other person even if like they're a good player yeah because it's like um because i think what confuses people when i talk about them like uh because people get very annoyed saying that they're fine john i was like uh it's i've seen them play too many times when they're like when their rules are pushed to limits they weren't tested in and i'm like oh dear uh but i, I agree with you they're a great starting off point as well like they're just a good intro team uh yeah, but they're... i find their only main weaknesses are pathfinders and hunter clade currently maybe vet not not vet god sorry uh kazakin sorry <laughs> I think I I do think that Vetguard on an open board probably should be able to give them trouble just because they have enough guns. Yes. And then yeah, Kaskin, same same idea. Is if you have enough AP guns, they will struggle because if you can suicide four guys into their four space marines, probably in a good spot because <laughs> you still have yeah. another eight dudes afterwards. And then Pathfinders, oh, yeah. Pathfinders just destroy elite teams right now. So that's that's the real problem for an elite team is you got to know your Pathfinder matchup inside and out on open play. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh. And then, uh, like, because, yeah, the, the part of the reasons your Hunter Clade mess them up so well is, well, you've got the Sikaran Infiltrate? Get, no, you've got, five, you've got five dudes that can fight melee just as good as they can, and then you also have two, eight, three AP guns in the back line. Because you take, uh, the, you take the Rust Stalkers with the Rending Blades, because they're 4-6, which will go to 4-5 against most of them, or 3-6, you know, depending on either their Nurgle Legionary or Intercession with Durable. I think against the intercession squad, the rending blades can be a downside because now they just take like three uh, tilting shields, which can be rough. <laughs> ah, yeah. So it's it is doable. I like it's definitely a hard matchup, but like you're using your guns, softening them up, and then your melee dudes can trade one for one, and you just have five melee dudes. So yeah, it, it can be rough. Yeah, because I, I think the interesting thing about that matchup, uh, as this slowly spirals into a Hunter Clay Tactica, is like um, they can only take three Tilting Shields, but then if they take three Tilting Shields, they're not taking an All Specs, and the All Specs is what wins the game because it counterplays the... The, the Arquebus, yeah. The Trigonometry Arquebus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It is, is the trigger. Like, come on, like, I, I've played against Hunter Clay so much, and now everyone's like... Well, I've perfectly angled my base so it's white from the heavy terrain while still being in black of the light. So I'm super concealed and I can see you, uh, but I'm still obscured no matter where you shoot me from. I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to charge you. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then, because uh, yeah, you've got your Aquabus, then you've got your Plasma, Calivia, and then your Arc gone. So you, you have enough ways to deal with them, whereas Pathfinder's just gone them to death. And then on... The day two, because you were top, and like, because the weird thing is, because they they had draws, so draws mess up everything. As a TO, you hate draws, right? The players players love having draws because draws make it funner for the players. But as a TO, personally, I despise draws. If you draw at one of my tournaments, even though I might go, oh wow, nice you drew, I'll be like inside, like, you messed up the pairings. It does. Um, it does make pairings way harder. Um, yeah. I am actually really, really looking forward to the invitational because we're doing double elim, so that should be. That's that's like actually like very exciting competitively. Yeah, and one day we may actually find out 
where what what the event format is fully going to be. You know, it might be literally as we land, they'll tell us what it's going to be. But uh, but yeah, going into day two in Chicago, you had because you were first because I thought you were going to run into the Wormblade because I was really I think worried. We were, one, we were one point off on the Wormblade matchup for uh, the first round, and I was actually kind of hoping for it because I was just really curious how well a Wormblade player would be playing because our entire local scene has entirely shunted that matchup almost yes because everyone is like you know what they're just not good enough is what it feels like on open boards well because the weird thing i was like so if you like i thought the best thing was if you drew on because i'm lame like this like uh, i i can like foresee stuff because you you had to play hunter clade but if you drew that mission because the the 2.1 is very easy to draw because it's super stalemate like, because the problem is someone can force you to be aggressive, but then if their push fails, then you can counter push and win. So the safest way to play that mission is just to stalemate it. Sure. Because um, if you drew, the only problem is you would likely play uh, Wormblade into their version of like uh, Loot and Salvage for Into the Dark. Um, and like that would have been a bit dubious because they could have just suicided guys onto the point to like yeah take I the guess lead that's probably like an approach at tournaments where i just want to play and win five games every time i go to a tournament like i'm not really looking for the best angle to get good matchups because i i think it's just more fun for me to just i'm always curious to see how good i can do if i play at my best i don't really i don't i honestly don't even look at point scoring all that much and i think oh, no. uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm completely the same i learned the same way just to like i, I take a game by game do do yeah. everything but but when i'm spectating tournaments i become super <laughs> sweaty and go like oh wow if you if you somehow win by x number of points you should be able to get into this matchup um yeah, yeah. but it, it was like yeah so you you narrowly like i think even if you drew um against the hunter clade still would have been okay um because the next mission you would have just had to win more because i think you were in the lead anyway on like victory points and then uh, the last i think the second i think out of the ones who were undefeated i was the highest uh victory points but there was someone with a one loss one of the other garrets who outscored me by like you know like 10 points yeah, he had more points than me, but he had a loss. So technically, uh, I think it was possible if I'd taken a draw. Uh, it because I'm pretty sure a draw is still better than a loss. But yes, it is, it's yeah. not. It's just not how I look at playing. <laughs> oh no, but, yeah, totally, yeah, I'm the I, same. It's like... I was, I was really hoping to play against the Wormblade player on round four, just because I was curious. Because I just haven't played Wormblade in like months. Oh yeah, playing Wormblade on that mission would have been great because they have no, uh, their tricks have no benefit on that board yeah. because it's so. <laughs> so bad for them yeah. um but you like narrowly beat the hunter clade mirror and then you ended up playing pathfinders because the Wormblade lost to pathfinders on that mission because literally around four yeah. from what i heard um the Wormblade was like huh i'll sneak up and the pathfinders just went ah oh, monk car and then uh the Wormblade uh just died there's uh, just there's just nowhere to go on junction assault for the Wormblade against pathfinder it's like five five firing lanes there's one that has a little bit of obscuring but yeah the monk car turn is a uh, Nope, that's it's not going to do anything. <laughs> but how did that Montcar game go? Because I I know you you obviously won, but I I don't know how that game actually went. Oh yeah, that game was interesting. I think my opponent played it as well as he could have. We were playing exposed trove. He did recon sweep twice to move all of his guys up onto the top half of the map to position. Um, and I won initiative for turn two, oh. but he was just out of position for a worthy cause, and I had oh. set up a charge, so he had to recon sweep into a worthy cause. Which meant that he was out of CP. He a dashed the dude up on Montcar with the Grenadier. But the Grenadier, because he had no CP, just whiffed everything. And he didn't have bonded <sighs> up that turn. So he just like he came up to kill the Sicarian, did zero damage, and then the Sicarian killed it. And that was it was obviously not good. That was like it was an objectively correct play. If I were a Pathfinder player on that mission, I would have done that hundred percent of the time. But after that, he basically just rolled very poorly alongside me just like moving up and killing everything um and then there was another play where i like pass an apl to one of the sicarians who could like move dash and then fight a dude on um on a oh, hatchway hatch that he, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so he wasn't expecting because he had like ex he was able to like predict like okay i can stand over here i'm not gonna get killed and then my sicarian or my rust soccer just uh stepped over a bunch of things and just sliced two dudes in half with a like an aggressor aggressor fight <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like because the thing is, um, 
like the problem is like because one of the things if you haven't prepped enough into the dark what can catch you out is like hatch fighting because yeah you can do this weird thing where you can move dash and then as long as you end up touching the door you can fight someone who is two inches away from the door so yeah. someone who thought they were safe like you don't even need line of sight you just need to be within two inches yeah. there's there's definitely some weirdness around how hatchway fight is worded because it says it's like so so a couple of people in the area have mentioned like oh yeah you have to be blocking so that you can't go on the other side i'm like no no no, it doesn't say that it says blocking and then they put quotation marks around it and they define what blocking means and yes. blocking is anyone within two inches of the door i'm like guys why why write rules like this why put it in parentheses i, I know it it's it's a it's a pain we live in but it's like yeah i think he did the exact same play like correct play because the the thing is the pathfinders so when i played against hunter clade it's like what you can cal- calculate is um if you get uh four hits with the fusion grenade that will kill an assassin even if they're in cover yep um so what i like to do is like they'll like a hunter clade play will bait their set like one of their rust talkers going well, I'm moving a dash into this heavy cover. So even if you like get a shot on me, I'm retaining two dice and heavy. And I was like, cool, I'm AP2. Uh, so you are relying on rolling four hits, but it's like you can set up with like bonded and usually it's worth throwing the CP into like the reroll if you've only like missed once. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think objectively he did the right play. He just was fully out of CP at that point because he did um, recon sweep and he did something else. And then the second turn, he had the recon sweep to get worthy cause. Oh no! Actually, that's that's all for CP on turn turn two. Yeah, so I think he played it as well as he could have. He was a really nice dude, and I thought he played well. And obviously, he beat Wormblade, and he was four one or four zero going up to there. Or no, no, he no, he, he was a on a win, he got a, tie. Uh, he got a tie. four wins and a draw. Yeah, three wins and a draw. Sorry, three yeah, wins three wins and draw, and then uh, and then he played me, which you know objectively was probably very rough because yeah. Well, yeah, at that point, you were the only undefeated player. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it, was, it was a it was a fun tournament, and um, everyone was really cool, and yeah, it, I had fun. And they only uh, gave you a glass trophy while I got another resin chainsaw. Yeah, that that part made me a little sad. I was like, oh, I just got a glass trophy. I <laughs> thought we were gonna yeah, get a chainsaw. I, I thought you would have gotten a chainsaw as well, but apparently they save those for the third party. For the British, they they save it for the British people. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, I the only chainsaw i'm missing now is the bronze one but i i got another, I, at the other warhammer tournament i also got a glass one as well so like I, i'm with you on the the variation of trophies uh but that, that was a because at the moment i think you're ranked second or third in america yeah ITC? i think last i saw was second right after chicago i don't i don't really keep track of it outside of that so it was like right after i took a look i'm like oh i'm second now nice and then uh yeah that was that was it <laughs> yeah because it's, it's, very high it's like priorities. um we make it sound easy, but we are very sweaty players. So it's like you, you you may have noticed like the it's not like so like when people think, oh, you know, competitive players, they think, oh, like, you know, you're like gamey, win at all costs, you know, stuff like this. No, it's just chill. It's just we're so sweaty, we're now we're 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 past the apprehension of sweat. So everyone will I go think, like, oh, I think the biggest really thing chill. for like if you're really looking to be super competitive is you just want to be really comfortable with everyone's rules I like kill yes. team is a small enough game where you can know your rules really well but if you don't really understand how your opponent is playing you will run into traps like Wormblade is probably the biggest or i think Wormblade and void dancer troop are probably like the two biggest uh like knowledge trap teams or if you don't know how they play you will get absolutely destroyed <laughs> well i think it's it's void dancer troop Wormblade, and walk coven those are the teams you you like have to know how they work because uh like yeah, you need to know all their rules to also ensure your opponent isn't accidentally cheating by not no. knowing how their rules work, uh, because they are very, very complex teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, but it's it's like the good thing about kill teams, there's not too much to remember. Um, like I think the biggest thing at the moment is everyone trying to figure out how Into the Dark actually works, but we're also <laughs> waiting for uh, the, uh, the official Into the Dark FAQ slash errata that will hopefully fix it um because as you said there's like really weird things you can do like as you said like hatch fighting people you can't see or yeah, yeah. or like basically three inches away from you but you can still like walk over punch them walk back um you know they might fix some missions but it's like yeah it's like just knowing the pack and just like practicing but not practicing too hard which people go like so you want me to practice just enough but not too much. And I think it's like, the goal is yeah. you want to practice and be comfortable, but you don't need to practice like 
scenarios at the moment because like you the game is fun and it's really good to just like think about think things through but one of the things that i do with my team when we're practicing practicing is we'll like take dice rolls back because the dice rolls aren't super important it's like learning from the situation so if there's like an initiative that's very very important we take some we sometimes like switch them back and forth or we'll like play one activation then rewind and then play as if the other person has initiative because like there are definitely games where if someone gets initiative, it's like it is kind of over on the spot. Like you could learn to play from behind, but sometimes it's not what you're looking for. Right. Um, no, that's very valid because it's like yeah. um, the thing I like about Kill Team, even no matter how much you prep, like obviously it sucks when your dice fail because like it happens to me. Like it happens, it, it happens to all of us. It's a dice game. It's, you know, it's a 60% chance for any one out outcome. Right. So it's a it's a very high variance game, even if even though we like to say like, oh, yeah, you know. Pathfinder, Bonded, and all this other stuff. Like, they're very dependable, but you know, you can still get diced. I've gotten diced in the tournament. Oh, yeah, game. Totally. Like, it even yeah. happened to me at the LGT final. I was like, ah, it's okay. I can miss some of these. And then I was like, I'm just missing everything. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I, had, I had one of those. That was the, my ACO game with Chris. Yeah, but it's, it's it important when you're practicing to like kind of get, pull yourself out of that mindset of like, I just want to win it all. Like, I just want to win this game. Right. Cause it's, if you're practicing, there's no stakes. You, it, you're really looking for the experience of like, how do we play different situations? So it's fine to like take things back or like, oh, we made a mistake, like put back the CP in the pool and stuff like that. And that's really no, like, it's, shouldn't it's be a, really a good way to approach it. Cause like, I think what catches people out is like, sometimes I'll just do crazy plays because they'll go like, okay, I know you're going to do X because like that's the most uh, safest thing to do, uh, but it's not really going to push the game. And then I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, I could do the safe thing. Or I could do the crazy thing, but then you're gambling on have they predicted the crazy thing? And then when they haven't, you just laugh and then they, like because if it works, you're like, oh yeah, you know, just just part of my plan. And if it didn't, you were like, ah, oh, you know, I was just going crazy. So it's it's the win-win scenario for the crazy plays. Uh because as you said, it's it's not all like formulaic, because there's stuff I've done where I've just gone like, Yeah, screw it. I've done this in practice. Like, I'll just do it now. Like, either they're aware of it. And that's that's fine. I, I've played my hand, or they're not, and now they're going to have to try and adapt against something I did on the fringe, like in a practice game. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to get like you don't need to take every tournament as like you got to win at all costs. Like I go to tournaments with like random armies all the time, and just like yeah, just see how this goes. Like I played Star Strikers at a local. I think I went one and two. Terrain was a little crazy. But I learned a bunch and that, that's fine. Like you don't got to win every tournament. Granted, if you only go to one tournament every like six months or something, you're trying to go really hard. That's maybe a different vibe. But uh, for any of the more regular people who are playing more regularly, it's like don't take it too seriously. Sometimes it's good to just think about it as practice if your opponent and you are in that same headspace. Yeah, yeah. because I've t- even though like I have only really used four teams at tournaments so far, like I, I've taken teams where I've gone like, Oh, I know I'm not going to win this tournament, but I just want to gauge. I want to just test something. So, like, I like I go like, okay, I've I've read the map packet. Uh, I haven't got my actual team ready, but what I'll do, I'll just play with like the team I have, knowing they won't do well, but I'll get a feel of the event for like, cause like do monthly tournaments, so I can go like, oh yeah, I can lose this one, but then it'll help me for the next one. So it's like, yeah, you don't need to like focus on winning, like. My recommendation is like I, when I go to tournaments, I don't go there like with the mindset to win. Obviously, I I plan around the potential. But I generally go there to have fun and relax. Because I found every time I've gone to a tournament, I have to win this. I lose, and then um, like you just is it the worst mind sp- like mind sp- headspace? Because after yeah. you go like, oh, this t- like no matter what, if you've gone with your sole intention of winning and you haven't won, even when you've had like great games, you will just go like internally just go like this is horrible i've wasted yeah. my trip yeah my my mindset going into every tournament is just play every game as you see it adapt to the terrain adapt to the opponent because there are always choices that matter that's probably one of the really good things about this game compared to something like 40k where you bring one list for a whole tournament or like oh, magic yeah. where you have like one deck granted in magic you have like sideboarding which does help but um and i guess that's what equipment and tech ops kind of are and, and roster, roster selection yeah, yeah it's basically like a sideboarding thing so like Getting into that headspace of like making small changes as you see the boards, I think is really powerful. And it's fun yeah. too, because it's like you've already played the same thing over and over. It's like every once in a while you're like, wait, maybe this thing that I normally do isn't good. Like for every player that plays solely Nurgle Legionaries, every once in a while, maybe there's a spot for a corn model. Or maybe there's a spot for a Sonesh model. It's just you gotta have it on the roster. And you have to be comfortable enough to be like, maybe it's time to try something different. Like 
specifically around models where everyone is bunched up all the time. Maybe there's a spot where corn actually does something. Yeah, because even uh, in London, people are like, why have you got like a 16, 18 man intercessor roster? And I was like, intercession. I was like, uh, well, I've got the tools in case I wanted to go full gun or full close combat, even though it's not optimal. There may be a time where I just want to go full combat just because it will be like benefit the mission because I'm not going to get much shooting, even though optimally it doesn't make much sense. Yep. Uh, and also it's like potentially if the headspace of my opponent going like for my Corsairs, I put the <laughs> Shuriken Cannon there just because I wanted the Shuriken Cannon and also to confuse my opponent because I had people going, what if you got a Shuriken Cannon? I was like, well, you'll find out. And then they, they were, I was like, I had no intention of selecting the Shuriken Cannon. Yeah. Uh, but they were like terrified of it. But like for my Corsairs, I always bring uh, the uh, D cannon, and people go, "Why would you bring the D cannon?" And I was like, "Oh, it it kills intercession and uh, yeah, it does like, it does delete elite models fairly efficiently. It's just only on boards where you can actually do the setup. If you can do it, it's worth it. It's just not every board lets you do it. So it's really like you got to look at the board, your opponent, look at your roster, and be like, which of these models are going to do something? And there are definitely choices that like can layer onto that decision like intercession squads if they see you take a bunch of rending or power swords they can take tilting shields on their most forward operatives yeah and it is powerful and it is something you have to keep in mind so yeah stuff like that oh no yeah totally like there's there's all this like hidden depth but it's just it's the way just to take casually like as i said the main goal is just to go and play and have fun and i think you'll do well like for example my hidden prep for because oh my god is it a month or three weeks until we're like three weeks until the yeah yeah so we still have no idea what the tournament is actually going to be. So my practice is just going to be uh, the hotel has a really nice uh, resort. like So it's got like jacuzzis, like you can get <laughs> massages there. Uh, wow. Running at the same time as the event, like there is nothing stopping anyone from like, you know, even spending the Friday just having a massage or going to their steamer. Going on, There's even the option to go on a horseback ride around uh, their New Mexico ranch. Uh, will that help in my practice for the tournament? Might I don't know. I could say I rode a horse in the like before I played my opponent. Uh, but that is an insight into how I am prepping. Uh, not to joke, like I am very appreciative that I am going to New Mexico. But it's like because uh, I know some people are properly like uh, properly hashing out for New Mexico, uh, where I'm like, I get a free jacuzzi. What you know? Uh, yeah, I think a big big drive for me. Going to tournaments is my goal is always to learn if I have any like I'm always looking to see like what could I improve about my own gameplay. Yes. Like if I ever get to the point where I plateau, that's probably where I'm gonna be sad because I, I don't I don't actually need to be the best. I just want to still have things that I can do differently. Oh like, yeah, number, totally. Because like one, me, number one almost means nothing to me because it's really just is there another spot where I've made a mistake where I don't have to make a mistake the next time? Because that's that's really the interesting part. So I go in with like a learning mindset, do the best I can, and then. You know, it's it's that if you have the right mindset, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Like, you'll have fun and you'll learn something. But if you're going in like, I got to win or it's like, I wasted my time. It's like, that's you're going to, it's a kind of a toxic mindset for yourself. Oh, no, I agree. It's like, uh, so the most fun I have at tournaments is when I have to think outside the box and really test myself. Yeah. So like the games I really enjoyed at Nova, like all of them were really, really good. But it's like the ones I enjoyed the most is where I like uh, against your commando friend, where I yep. literally was like, uh, I like because the problem with my playstyle was like if you play too defensively, you can get, you can get to the point where you kind of uh, accidentally force yourself out of a win. Yep. So kind of like yep. oh, I played too defensively for too long. Uh, but I was like, there's a way to win, and I was like, oh, he wasn't saying it like um, oh, you you've lost. He was like, oh, I think I have won, and I was like, I think you're right, but I have a feeling there's a way I can force a draw. Uh, so I had to like I had to really think how to do that. And then also in the final where I just started um, doing char- uh, Tau charges because I was hoping my opponent had no idea what to do if I started charging. And I was like, <laughs> it worked. And I just did YOLO charges all game with Tau fists. Uh, but it's like that kind of stuff I really enjoy. Because I was like, as, as I said, it's not more about winning. It's more about proving to myself I'm playing at my best. Or growing, right? Like you don't, you really just like if you're a really, really competitive person and you want to get better, it's the getting better that's the important part, not the winning. The winning is like a byproduct of you learning as much as you can. That's like the way I look at competition. Oh yeah, yeah. Wins, wins are nice, but like if you know enough, the wins will come naturally. Whereas, like, yeah, that's so. Yeah, I I agree basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I give another like so LGT. 
um because i was playing for points i was like i'm probably not going to win this uh i have i stupidly didn't book the week off work so i finished two 12-hour shifts then went into the tournament yeah and i was like i almost passed out day one and i was like the maps didn't really benefit my team but i was like i know pathfinders inside and out so i'll go in with no prep and i may not win but it'll be a fun to see how i do qualified for top eight uh i came third on day one with Mm. three wins and a loss and then somehow came second. Like it was just like literally playing out my mind, adapting every game. Um, and like that's the thing I really enjoyed. Even though I lost in the final, it was still really fun because it was just like pure, uh, no pure, prep like, work. It was just yeah. like just playing on the fly, which is generally the most enjoyable thing out of Warhammer for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's I'm like, like it's I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, storylines that come out for our local next month. Because we're running yeah. the the New York Open, we got forty eight slots. We're more than fifty percent full, and we had two one day narratives with 12, 12 person slots, but those are both full. So <laughs> I'm no, really yeah, looking forward to seeing how the uh, the New York locals that I've been playing in the monthlies get like do at that tournament, and also for anyone that travels, like it's very exciting. Because obviously for the U.S. scene, like the Northeast is very competitive. Yes, compared to like the West Coast is competitive. They have like lots of large tournaments. But I don't think they have the same density of players. Like I think Seattle was twelve players. Oh, fifty. Maybe it was eighteen players. It was a pretty small tournament as far as like the big like U.S. Opens go. And then SoCal just had twenty something players. I'm not hundred okay. percent sure on any of those numbers. Like all of those numbers are could be I could be way off. But I think um I think the East like the East Coast scene is definitely denser. Probably because it's a little bit closer to GW as far as like gravitational hobby pool is. But then like the London scenes get like, you know, like you guys are getting 20 players, Spanish players are getting like 40 players. So I'm hoping if we actually get to the 40 man mark, we'll have like a very dense scene of like hyper competitive East Coast players and everyone has a lot of fun and the newer players get to like play against a lot of different skill levels. So like November 12th to 13th, two days, more than 50% full. Um, Yeah. Now you should definitely check out because this podcast will going out so we're recording it the last week of October. So this will be going out just after Halloween. Nice. Uh, but I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Like it, it looks really fun. I've heard really good things. And if you're like, even if you're like um, looking for like just something casual to play, you can even just play at the tournament like on the narrative side. Well, you sold, well, I think you sold out the narrative. Yeah, right? we sold out the narratives, unfortunately. We have a, yeah. So those are sold out, unfortunately. I do think that if you are on the more casual side, going to a tournament for two days is not a bad idea anyways. Because as long as you're going with the intent of that learning mindset that me and you are both talking about, like you'll still learn a lot, even if you're losing. And like everyone in our scene is very chill. Like I have, we definitely have cultivated a pretty relaxed group, which is good. Like they're competitive, but no one is rude. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it like, seems uh, to be like a common thing for the kill team scene so far. Like everyone is chill, which yeah, I appreciate. It, it's like uh, I always learn more from my losses than my wins, and like you, you will just learn a lot by just going. Like going to events is the best way for any kind of practice. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is uh, going to an event. You get like, like practice one after the other. Whereas, like, if you're only playing one game a week, which is what I would assume a lot of players get, you're just not getting the chance to collect a lot of data and synthesize it all at once. You're getting like one game, which you might not learn that much. But like, if you go to a larger tournament, even a three round tournament, you'll like lose one game. You're like, maybe I could do this thing better, and then the next game you can apply that immediately and try to do that, and then see how that goes. And being able to do all of that in over two days should be a really good learning experience. Yeah, it's like a good way for just overall improvement, basically. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. But that's pretty much it for today. So thank you, Travis, for being on. Like, yeah. you are, you are like my American sensei. Because uh, Chris chuckled, like I think he didn't realize how much we were talking until like um, Nova. So it was like because uh, it's really like I really enjoyed chatting to competitive like-minded players where like the way you see the game because it's like it's rewarding when you realize other people see the game the way you do uh because like a few people in london do it as well as like you and chris uh because like as i said in, in the last episode with him everyone goes like oh my area is stronger than your area and i was like personally i find all the strong players are about the same level it, it doesn't really matter where you come from it's just if you're a strong player you're strong so yeah um, I- it does seem like there's like some commonality of thought the at wherever like the most competitive players are. There's some like regional differences, but I think yeah, we'll see how that shakes out over time. Yeah, because we'll find out in New Mexico. 
Yeah, uh, well, that's that's the, all the marbles, all the I know, right? All Maximum the sweat lords in one spot. Yeah. Like me and the jacuzzi going like it's gonna be tough. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. so uh, until next time thank you for being on travis remember you uh, i'll put put down all his socials because you're like you've got the brooklyn rats instagram we've got the brooklyn rats well. instagram we've got the website for the for the new york open and then um yeah we've got my, like my local shop for the monthly so if anyone hasn't been out and you're close to the new york area and you want to get a regular game in it's like generally the first weekend of every month so yeah i thank you for having me on it's really fun obviously <laughs> No worries. It's, it's been a pleasure to properly chat to you. And yeah, remember, even in America, even when you're playing in a casually narrative tournament, you can always win as long as you can roll a crit. <laughs>